Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. You're very welcome to Tuesday Afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Let's start by going back to last evening. I don't know whether you were watching the excellent Primetime Investigates on RTE1 uh, as the uh, team looked into the cattle export trade to the continent, in particular uh, male calves for the continental veal market. Uh, it was shocking, I have to say, at times, and a real eye-opener. But I'd say not for my first guest today. She's been a good friend of ours on the show over the years. She's the woman who is behind Eden Farmed Animal Sanctuary, and she's behind many campaigns for Go Vegan World. Sandra Higgins, welcome back to the show. Thank you for having me, Jerry. Not at all, Sandra. Do you want to comment on what you saw last night? As I said, this probably wasn't a surprise to you, was it? No, no. Unfortunately, it's all too familiar to us in the animal rights movement because this is endemic when we use other animals. It's not confined to live exports. It's it's everywhere. Um, but even though we're well used to it, I mean, it's traumatising to watch at the same time. So, uh, you know, we hope that viewers will realise that this is what they pay for when they're not vegan. I, I was with somebody watching it who actually said to me that... She'd be sick if um, there was a meat put in front of her, you know, um, and just felt sick to the pit of her stomach looking at it and never realised, you know, what this was about. And as you said, this is one aspect of it. Do, do you think an expose like that will make any difference, Sandra? Well, look, you you know, you, you, you hope that people will investigate further, that they won't just take what they saw on RTE that they'll, you know, really study it and that they'll go to a website like ours, the Go Vegan World website, and realise, you know, it's not just live export. Dairy's dirty secrets are, uh, they extend way beyond live export. You know, the whole the whole industry, the whole of uh, the human use of other animals is appalling. And that's why, you know, that's why people go vegan, because we're traumatised when we realise it's what we do to other animals. So it's not just that calves are an unwanted byproduct and they're sent to other countries and it's not what happens in other countries. The, the whole industry, it begins with uh, extracting semen from bulls um, in the most appalling manner to artificially inseminate the calves. Most, most cows most cows are artificially inseminated. Um, most people don't realise. They think that hens just lay eggs and uh, animals just produce animal flesh and the cows just produce milk but they don't they're like humans they only produce milk when they're impregnated and give birth and they produce that milk for that baby to to drink but because of the human market for their milk we separate the babies from them and that the cows in the dairy industry and indeed the goats and the sheep as well are also used in the dairy industry their their lives consist of Pregnancy followed by pregnancy, so they're, they're, they're impregnated every year. They're milked for at least six months of that pregnancy. And then as soon as they give birth, their babies are taken from them so that we can have their milk. And they're all slaughtered. So you, we, had a, we had several issues with the programme last night. Um, one of the most appalling aspects of it 
is the normalisation of our human control of the bodies and lives of other animals. You know, the talk about mm. selective breeding, sex, semen, um, the, the normalisation, the, you know, the, 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 the sentence that this is necessary, it's not necessary completely unnecessary for us to use other animals. And also, the, there wasn't a single animal rights activist on the show and there wasn't a single animal rights perspective on the show. Um, it, it actually is a very, was a very good illustration of the difference between animal welfare and animal rights. Uh, if I can give a human analogy to explain mm. it to your listeners, if you heard in the morning that there was a group of prisoners in Mountjoy on death row and they were being made to travel long distances in extreme temperatures, overcrowded, very very young or vulnerable prisoners, maybe with health difficulties or mental health difficulties or whatever, um, not, no water, no food, no rest. And they were being sent to be kept in confinement for several months, fed a diet of just milk um, in the dark, separated from their comrades, and they're on death row, they're going to be killed. There's no way that we would fight better treatment of those prisoners. We would be up in arms to end the death penalty, to get them out of prison, to fight for their rights. So what the programme illustrated last night was the people who tried to give the prisoners nicer food, sorry, excuse me, nicer food or um, more space, Instead of saying, get them out of there, what are they doing in there? They're completely innocent and defenceless, and this is entirely unnecessary. So it was so sad to see people purporting to be advocates for animals and actually suggesting an Irish, the Irish veal industry as a solution. Mm. The, the, I suppose, Sandra, going back to a generalisation, people say that mankind are hunter-gatherers and have been from time immemorial you know, that we've always, you know, uh, preyed upon animals for food? Well, first of all, we haven't. We've done that very recently in our history. But, Jerry, there are lots of things that we've done traditionally. You know, the, the male domination of women, the, 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 the abuse, physical abuse of, of children, um, our discrimination against anybody who we think is different to us. The fact that we've done something for a long time is no justification for a human rights violation. So mm. why would it be a justification for an animal rights violation? Mm. You, you have mentioned other animals as well. And of course, intensity with poultry and all that type of thing is you're well familiar with that, too. And there's an awful lot of uh, questions there. Um, can we survive? Let me put this to you, put it this way to you. Um, can mankind survive not, you know, using animals as a food source. Yeah, absolutely. The scientific evidence is fully behind this. And I'm very glad to see that the Irish Nutrition and Dietetics Institute have at long last come out and supported the rest of the science. You can get all the nutrients you need from a plant diet. Not only that, Jerry, farmers' income would increase vastly, especially the subsistence farmers, you know, in the in the flesh industries. Uh, as well as that, you have to take, it's not an animal rights issue, but you have to take into consideration the inefficiency of animal use. Like 85 or 83% or something of the world's farmland produces about 18% of our calories from animal agriculture. It, it takes 100 times um, the resources to produce a calorie of animal food or a gram of animal protein 
in comparison to the, the plant the plant equivalents. And also the greenhouse gas emissions and the environmental damage are really, you know, it's gone completely out of control. The, the Irish emissions are at the moment 38% from animal from agriculture, and most of that is from animal agriculture. That, that's predicted to increase to over 40% by the year 2030. Not that far away at all. Mm. Uh, you, you know, when the government talks about uh, how we're going to reduce our emissions, they target the sectors that are contributing considerably less than animal agriculture. And this is not just Ireland. Our statistics reflect the global statistics. So because of that, you know, we're, we're, we're facing extreme temperatures. The hottest day, day on record was record, recorded recently. Mm. Um, you know, human illness. It's going to be appalling. We're going to leave an appalling world behind for our children. But not only that, we not only is animal agriculture a significant contributor to this, because of the effects of this on the, the destruction of the environment and, and climate change, we're not going to be able to grow food and produce food for ourselves. So we really have no option but to change. And to bring it back to the programme last night, um, you know, the conversation came up about how do we fix this? Um, well, I'll tell you, sex semen and better standards of welfare will not fix this. Uh, Cormac on our sanctuary was a bull calf rescued from a a dairy farm that used sex semen. And honest to God, when when you see the the innocence of Cormac, when I remember when we rescued him and how vulnerable he was as a tiny calf, you could just cry when, you know, when you think of what we do to them. But so that's not a solution. Increased welfare standards, like it's very important that people understand what animal welfare is. It's a term used by the industry to protect their profits. So it keeps profits at the maximum rate by the minimum standards to animals. Uh, A lot of what we saw on the programme last night were breaches of animal welfare. But the most appalling thing of all is that all of this is legal. I mean, if you if if most people watched it, they would be the same as the person that was with you, Jerry, sickened and traumatized. If they watched what goes on in a, on an ordinary farm and in an ordinary slaughterhouse. Mm. And I, I think that is the the big thing to come out of it last night. Look, time is going to beat us here. Just before we go, are you encouraged at all by seeing many of the food producers, you know, end food producers, producing more vegan versions of, you know, meat, etc.? Is, is that any con- consolation to you? And more well, more people it, more people buying into it? it? It definitely makes it a lot easier to go vegan. There are lovely products on the market now, but you... You don't need them. If, if you eat a whole food plant-based diet, it's cheap, it's good for you, um, you get all the nutrients you need. Um, you don't have to buy the substitute. So, you know, for your viewers out there, you can veganise all the foods you're eating at the moment without buying expensive products. But look, they are they're tasty. Um, it makes it really very... There's no excuse for people. It's really very mm. easy. And, and particularly, they're coming down in price as well. Mm. But you can definitely get all the nutrients that you need. You do not have to pay for what you saw on the television last night. And we're there to support you and be a friend to you if you would like to make the transition. And I include farmers in that. Mm. Sandra, look, uh, we leave it there for the day. We'll be back to this, I promise you. Good to talk to you again. Nice to hear your point of view. Go Vegan World. Check Sandra out and all the information there. Thanks for joining me. 
Thank you. Take care of yourself. That's Sandra Higgins there. Very nice lady. Really one of the nicest people I've ever met and so compassionate and caring. But there are many questions and many issues that need to be addressed. That's for sure. We're a great country at making laws and regulations, but the implementation and policing of them, well, that's another matter entirely. Thank you for your comments. Keep them coming to me. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text if you want to get something off your chest. That woman is talking fake news, says a farmer. I don't think so. We have up to 8 billion people in our world that need feeding. That programme last night in RT did not represent farmers. 99% of farmers are good farmers, says a farmer. And look at most people in every walk of life, the majority are good people, but there are rogues in every walk of life. We know that anyway. And farming is no exception to that. But look at it's a big issue for farming. It is. Emissions, the whole thing, welfare, the lot. And and that last night was highlighting one aspect of it. And it was shocking. It really was. And I myself, I'm not vegan or anything like that. I enjoy my meat too. But I have to tell you, it would really upset you when you saw what, what we watched last night. Sandra Higgins is right, says another listener. Last night is just the tip of the iceberg. The solution is always the same. Live vegan, says a listener. Keep them coming. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. Coming up after two, Joe Tierney talking about Navin and antisocial behaviour but taking us to top of the hour on your late lunch. It's the script. I'm still alive but I'm barely breathing We're heading to Navin for our next conversation on the show and again a good friend of ours. We have loads of good friends so when you're on the air almost 15 years you make lots of friends don't you? Joe Tierney, famous news agent from the town joins me. Hello again Joe. Hiya, Jerry. Glad, glad to know you still got friends after that amount of years. <laughs> it is indeed. I was only saying yesterday, Joe, there was a report that more of us have no friends at all in the world, which is a very sad thing to uh, contemplate, to be honest with you. But thank God uh, we have a few left still, we have to say, and you are one of them. Joe, look, you're on in a serious matter today with us. Uh, Navin, the heart of Navin. One thing I will say about Navin Town, I always say it, compared to, say, Dundalk or Drogheda, uh, the big towns in our area of which Navin is one. It's held its centre. The town centre has held very, very well. I love being in it and walking around all the different shops, etc. But there's a problem, Joe. Well, look, there, there can be a problem in a lot of towns, but lately it, it seems to be there's an antisocial uh, element to it and it's been getting, uh, it's been taken, it's manifesting itself in a number of different ways. Mm. We've had graffiti, we've had uh, violence on, on the streets, we've had staff of shops uh, attacked and, and there's just a, a feeling of uh, a loss of law and order and uh, a lack of boots on the street and uh, it it just was coming to a head where the town wasn't feeling that it was putting its best foot forward and, and really we needed assurances on this, you know. Did you get them? Uh, yes, there, there was a meeting held last Friday in the Yard Boyne. Uh, it was chaired by the Minister for Justice. Uh, I have to say I was very impressed with Helen McEntee and what she she uh, understood from that meeting. There was about 10 business people from the town. There was uh, representatives from the Chamber of Commerce, the local guardie, the, the uh, county council and a cross-party of uh, politicians. And everybody's intention at that meeting was that Navin will do better and can do better. And I, I, I thought, being very non-political myself, it was very positive. Nobody was looking for kudos. It was fact-finding. It was beneficial. 
And as I say, uh, her role as as Minister of Justice is obviously um, to, to keep the peace and, and to keep law and order. But also, it was to see uh, does Navin need uh, extra extra guardy? And, and clearly, it, that's one of the, the issues that we certainly do. Mm. There, there's no denying that the presence of a guardie on a bicycle or two of walking down the streets, the beat gives great confidence to people. We don't need to see it every day. We just need to be able to look out our window every week or so and say, ah, there's, there's the boys in blue and, and everything is fine, you know. Mm. But it's when anarchy hits and uh, there seems to be an injustice constantly happening and add that together with the, the, the mix of um, lack of, of, of apparent resources um, and you're just just thinking that um, it's it's a bad melting pot that uh, things are not looking good, you know. What under what underpins this is this youngsters with idle time in their hands up to mischief? Is there alcohol involved or the dreaded drugs issue, which uh, scourges most big urban areas and the towns in our area here in the northeast as well? Um, I, you, you're probably it's probably a combination of all, Jerry. The one thing about the drugs that uh, I used to be very naive, I genuinely very naive. I used to see kids coming in and buying bottles of water and thinking, well, that's the best thing they could ever be drinking. And it needed someone to tell me that they were outside uh, down in tablets and they needed the water to, to help mm. it go down. Um, but lately, it's, it's very open. I mean, I've actually driven in my car and seen exchanges happening between pills on one hand and money on the other being exchanged openly. And then there was another incident in in town recently where um, a pub got its windows smashed because it was brazen enough to refuse uh, drug people the night before who, um, you know, openly said, you know, we're, we're... we're the top guys in town and, you know, in the past this would be denied. Now it's almost like a badge of honour. So it's, that's, that's worrying. Yeah. Um, then there's, a, there's graffiti. Um, that it just seems to have come up almost as a, um, a new challenge over a period of time for a lot of buildings in, in the town. And some of them only recently painted were all being, being um, hit with, with, with that form of vandalism. Mm. Um, we, are, we are being told it's not that many people. In fact, it's, they have it narrowed down, but um, even CCTV, which the town is going to get a, a, a vastly improved system in September. There's going to be up to 64 cameras. And I know there's people out there who will say, you know, Big Brother is watching. My philosophy has always been if you have nothing to worry about, if you've done nothing wrong, then they're there to protect you. They're there to protect all of us. And it's no different. I have 13 cameras in my, in my store. And it can be as simple as, as telling you I gave you the wrong money or I didn't give you your lottery ticket. It's there for both people's benefit. You never know what the outcome is yes. going to be. But certainly just getting back to the graffiti artist, um, he covers himself up well. He's on a scooter and uh, there's, there's camera image as best they can of him. So, look, they are part of the issues, but it was, it, was, it was comforting to have a meeting where people all were able to add their tuppence worth and there was facts behind it and it felt like uh, things were under control. Hopefully out of the next uh, batch coming out of Tullamore, uh, Templemore rather, we, we'll, um, we'll, mm. we'll get our fair share because that does seem to be um, 
an important part of the story. Yes, yes. What what about, like you mentioned the cameras you have in your shop, frontline workers, I think about your staff and the staff in shops. Absolutely. You you know, you you, you just have to feel safe in your place of work. That's a a basic right, isn't it? Yeah, I I totally agree, Jerry. You know, you mentioned frontline workers and during COVID we heard an awful lot Frontline workers were guards, firemen, uh, anybody in the, in the medical practices, doctors, nurses, and totally we respected them as frontline workers. But everybody who works in a retail environment, every one of our staff, or all the shops of businesses all around the country, they're all frontline workers. And in our stores that stayed open, all the grocery and convenience stores that stayed open during COVID, all their staff were frontline workers. But they just didn't get the same priority or the same importance um, as and and as frontline workers, they are open to abuse from the moment mm. they, they come into their stores in the morning. Now we are very fortunate; we are not a late uh, open business, and we don't get a lot of it. But we have to be vigilant. What really gets me down, just on a personal level, is the, the rights are always with the. The, the guy who does the trouble because um, if he breaks your window and he's up in front of a judge no judge will ever make him pay for the window that's a basic charge a window broken in a, in a store is, is a thousand euro at least yeah. but he'll get he'll get suspended he'll get this that he'll never be asked to pay it and when I asked the question why apparently most if they're on social welfare the social welfare payment that's made to them is deemed to be the minimum amount that somebody can live on per week and if you were to find say 20 euro a week out of that you're asking this person to live on less than what they can do that's one thing um, the other thing is we've had people come into our store who we've had to follow walk them around the shop after them and they turn around and they'll call you every name under the sun now if you or I did that then we have, uh, as a law-abiding person, we have a, a law case coming up in front of us and we are petrified about it. The, the people who, who say this doesn't bother them at all. They go through the system. You get a shoplifter who's under 16 or anything, they're out looking in the window at you five minutes later because the system is protecting the young, protecting... They just There rarely ever seems to be something that comes out like a breath of fresh air and you say, that's novel and that's protecting us. Now, thankfully... Within business, and I, I know it's moving away a little bit, but in insurance case, we've seen um, a huge development, and that should come into law this week. And the same minister, Helen McEntee, should should ratify it, whereby there's a duty of care coming in on insurance, and that's going to shake. That's going to change uh, the emphasis a little bit when somebody has trip and falls, and we know there's a lot of them are genuine, but we yes. also know a lot of them are manufactured under this duty of care. There is an element of risk for every person who in, encounters uh, these falls, mm. mm. and obviously there is more um, pressure on them to prove the genuineness of it. And if they don't, they're in for costs as well. Yes, and so, you're making an analogy in the other sense, and I hear what you're saying. I hear the frustration, and it is a frustration that people have. Somebody smashes a window, causes damage. You know what I mean? That's an area that certainly probably does need looking at. And it, it is something that you never hear about for sure. You know, I wonder, like, when somebody does something like that, well, there has to be consequences. You know what I mean? I know you say about the a minimum living amount of money each week. But if you go out and criminally damage something and, uh, you know, cause hurt and, and loss to others, well, there's consequences there too, I have to say, Joe. Uh, yeah, and, and I think that if, you know... I often uh, look at Singapore as an example. I mean, in Singapore, if, if chewing gum sales are banned, 
uh, if you drop chewing gum on the floor in, in Singapore, it's, it's an outright uh, overnight in prison. If you're caught on a mobile phone in, in Singapore, it's an overnight night in prison. The, the crime rate in Singapore is, is almost zero, but it's not draconian. It's not done with, it's done with the cooperation of people. And as a result, it's a safe place. In this country, the law is always on the rights of the person. You, you imprison somebody overnight for, for something violent. The first thing that the guards have to do is go down to the, to the local chipper and get them chipping chickens because that's their right. They've got to have this. They have to be um, fed, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. you're just there saying to yourself, it's baffling how much uh, law and order is very much so fair that it seems as if it's actually worthwhile to be a criminal on the other side. Yeah, it's so fair, it seems it's unfair, you know what I mean? But look yeah. at, that that's the society we live in. They are the rules and regulations here. And I hear what you're saying, that when you uh, compare with Singapore, it is a, certainly a deterrent. But I said it even a while ago there on the show, where we uh, implement a lot of laws in this country, and they're well-meaning and they're good laws. But if you don't police them and if you don't implement the fines or the consequences with them, well, you might not make the laws in the first place. And I think a lot of people feel that frustration, you know. Yeah. And I often think, I mean, the the best system for, for law and order is, is the roads. We have traffic corps. We have speed cameras. You're caught on that. You're processed. You're, you've got your fine or you've mm. got your day in court. There's no way around it. And they have a very high um, success, successful rate of conviction for anything to do with motoring offences. Mm. But once you come down to what we might consider more serious items like uh, defamation of character, um, uh, physical assault, um, Public order, which like we are that. talking yeah. about, all that type of thing. I know, and yeah. I, I actually hear what you're saying. Look, Joe, I have to leave it there today. I'm delighted to talk to you. You've raised a lot of issues there, and people, I'm sure, ha- have their views uh, on both sides. But, you know, you talk a lot of sense, I have to say, as well. Good to hear that the, you, uh, the get-together got uh, was uh, welcomed by everybody, the recent get-together with the Minister, and hopefully there will be a big difference. But I say to people, Navin, great town, wonderful centre, great shopping, Go visit. It's well worth a uh, uh, checkout during this summertime, especially. Joe, thanks for joining me. Not all. Thank you, Take Jerry. care of yourself. That's Joe Tierney there, a uh, very prominent news agent in the heart of Navin. And I say it again, it is a lovely town. It really, really is. And credit to them for keeping the heart of it alive. It's time for our Two on Tuesday. Two on Tuesday. Playing the songs that just never quite made it to number one. But we were so close. I'm to be number one. We were so close. Two on Tuesday. I have to admit that we played this artist on Late Lunch yesterday, but not this particular song. I'm going back to uh, January 1981. It was her debut single and it was massive, I have to say. It took a few weeks from January 81 to finally reach number two this week in July in the UK charts where it stayed for two weeks. It was the start of a wonderful career. The single sold more than half a million copies in the UK alone. Yes, it's Kids in America from Kim Wilde. Our two on Tuesday. The Kids in America by the wonderful Kim Wilde. Number two just fell short of top spot. So which song or who, pray,
kept it from Top of the Pops. Well, let me tell you this, that the song that did was first released in 1954. It was written and recorded by a guy called Stuart Hamblin. And it made it, it, it did good on one of the charts in the States, not the main chart, it was the country chart over there. It was a, a big hit. It, it went there to number two on that chart, but not on the mainstream uh, Billboard Hot 100, as it's called. But when Rosemary Clooney, that's a famous name from the past, in the same year, 1954, recorded her version of the song, it went to number one on the main US charts and in the UK in 1954. But today, of course, we're talking about 1981. And it was a cover of the original that made it to number one in the UK charts for three weeks. Yes, it's the man himself, the good old man from Wales, Mr. Shaken Stevens. He's so Shaking Stevens, the number one that prevented our two on Tuesday from Kim Wilde making it to top spot. It was number one for three weeks, this old house. And you know, Shaking Stevens, known, his real name was Michael Barrett. He's hale and hearty at 75 today, but he had a string of hits back in the 80s. That was his first number one. He had 10 more songs in the top five in the UK, including three more number ones at Green Door, Oh Julie and Merry Christmas, everyone. And he had twos. We'll have to feature him in two on Tuesday. You drive me crazy and I love what waiting for were the number twos there. And we are going to hear the verdict from Miss Louise Walsh now. Is it Kim Wilde, Kids in America for you or old Shaky and this old house? I thought this one was, you know, definitely going to be Kim Wilde until you really kind of enjoyed that song, didn't you? You kind of bop around to it. It still came wild though, but I really enjoyed that. Oh, well, listen, thanks for saying (laughs) that because you would, you're right. That's the thing, you know, Kim Wilde, Kids in America. But when you listen to Shaking Stevens there, there's something about it, isn't there? There Mm. really, really is. Yeah, it makes it smile and move around. It does. When you think 1954, Louise, you'll come back to when that song was originally recorded. There you are. And Shaky had a big hit with it. So thumbs up for Kim Wilde. I sort of agree with you. Kim is the one, you know. It's full of attitude, that song, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it certainly, it certainly is. Anyway, Kim Wilde gets the nod from the jury on late lunch this very afternoon. Ah, there's so much beautiful Irish homegrown fruit on the market at the moment and available right across the country and I've often said it here, we should be eating seasonally more and more and soft fruit in particular is just wonderful at the moment and at Cardgerry Farm in County Loud they produce wonderful, wonderful fruit and more besides joining me to have a chat about the business I'm delighted to say hello to Judith Redmond Hello Judith Hello, good afternoon Jerry thanks thanks for having us on today Not at all, you're very welcome There is a fair history to this place going back to Edward Tell us the story That's right, well Currently at the moment, it's my father David and brother Edward that run the farm. Mm. Um, But it was my grandfather, David's father, who bought the farm back in the 60s. Um, And shortly after he bought the farm, he was was a fruit. He did produce fruit um, in Armagh um, and traded in fruit. But not long after he arrived, he began to plant the orchards and also strawberries and then soon after raspberries. So that was in in the 60s. So we've been there. For quite quite a long time. So that was your grandfather, Edward. 
That was my grandfather, Edward. Yeah, who, so we currently have Edward, who is yes, his grandson. Yes, yeah. the grandson as well. So you're, we're in third generation here at this stage. And you're, yeah. you're Knockbridge is the area, isn't it? Yeah, we're just um, a few miles from Knockbridge. So we're halfway between RD um, and Dundalk, um, about three miles from Junction 16 17 on the motorway. And the farm is do- dedicated to, it, it is all, all fruit? We have some vegetables as well. Um, so we would grow, we're growing potatoes currently. We've started that the last few years uh, yeah. and carrots, carrots and turnips as well at the moment. Good stuff. Um, but yeah, mainly, mainly fruit. Um, yeah, predominantly fruit. Um, at this time of year, of course, strawberries have dominated. Raspberries are, are, are out there too now and it is the season mm-hmm. for them. Yep. Um, I was having a look at you, what you do earlier today and it's very interesting. You, you grow strawberries on the ground and off the ground, both, is it? No, just in the ground. In um, the ground. Most most producers now, commercial producers, grow them off the ground. Yes. Um, we're one of the few that are left that they right. grow them in the ground. Um, the reason for that is that they're, they're a better berry, you get a better flavour off them because they take their flavour from the soil uh, that they're in. So we, as of yet, haven't haven't moved them off the ground, but they, they yes. definitely have a better a better flavour if they're grown in, in soil. You see, I made an assumption. I saw the, the tunnels and I thought, oh, they must have ah, some under the okay. tunnels there. No, but no, you no, don't. No. They're, they're covered with tunnels to protect, protect them. Um, so obviously with our, with our Irish weather in the yes. summer, uh, we'll get a fair bit of amount of rain. So the tunnels act as a shield to, to protect the soft fruit um, as well as limiting spread of disease as well. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, they're kind of a, a must-have in, in, our, in our climate. What do you do to keep the berries off the ground? Because I've grown them myself in the past and I get a, a half a bale yeah. of straw. I'd only do them on a small scale and put the straw in underneath them. But what do you put underneath them commercially? So they have a plastic, they're built up in a ridge, so like a bed. Yeah. Um, and then over the top of that bed goes a plastic sheet, uh, which acts as well as a barrier for keeping the weeds down too. Mm. And then the berries will sit on, on the plastic to protect right. them from the ground. Okay. And then if they're dry, you know, they're kept dry that way. And you honestly feel growing directly in the soil makes a huge difference in the flavour? Oh, it does, yeah, it definitely does. I mean, they take their flavour from both the, the soil and the sun as well. Mm. So uh, it definitely makes them a, a tastier berry. And tell me, wh- when is your season from and to? Uh, when when do you have your first strawberries and when does it wind up the strawberry season? Well, the strawberries start kind of in May time. Mm. Um, May and June, kind of the end of May. June would be our biggest biggest time for, for, the, the, for the bulk of the strawberries. Yes. But we do have them kind of on into September time. Yes. Um, but not as many then. Like our second crop comes in kind of August time. Mm. Um, raspberries a bit different there just July really kind of mm. the end of June middle to the end of July for them and they would they'd be finished earlier Yeah, and then we would have gooseberries as well and they'll be finishing quite soon they're kind of mid-June to mid, mid-July Oh I love the gooseberry especially in the jam in the jam gooseberry jam yeah, I... it's, it's one that uh, people either oh, love it or yeah. hate it um, that, that wee bit bitter and tartar but uh, it's definitely a a lot of people out there that do, do like them. Oh, they're they're beautiful. You know, they're yin and yang, sweet and sour. They have that type of thing, yeah, thing about them for sure. Yeah, what about the apples? Like you mentioned there that your grandfather said about planting in the yeah. 60s. How big is the apple part of the, of the farm? Um, we ha- Well, we did have more originally when yeah. I was a child. I remember being in a few orchards. Now we would have about 30 acres 
of, of Bramley apples now. We don't actually have eating apples. We are planning, hopefully, to plant um, some more eating apples for, for the future. Mm. But it, it's, it's mainly just the Bramley apples, the the cooking apples. As people oh, sure, listen. Yeah, you're keeping us going with the tarts. God, I'm talking about tarts, gooseberry yeah, jam yeah, here with you. I'm into yeah. apple tarts and crumble. Now, <laughs> the Lord, I'll not be able to sit in this seat for much longer. You're putting the goo in me all together for some for some nice stuff. But oh, but back back to the soft fruit and that. Um, do do you allow people in to pick, or how do you you know what? sell your fruit, or what do you how do you get it to market, um, or whatever? So. Well, years ago, we used to do a lot of sales from, from the yard um, to, to just local local people. Um, and then as the years progressed, we went more to the commercial side, supermarkets supplying them. And now things have kind of come full circle and we've come back to um, looking to the public to come in. Um, and we opened up our farm last year as a pick-your-own farm. Mm. Um, so post-COVID, as everybody those people had more of a thirst for doing things outdoors and, and for getting out and about. And lots of people have been asking us, you know, did we allow to pick your own? That's kind of where, where it started from. Um, and yeah, so we, we are currently open three days during the week, um, Wednesday, Saturday and a Sunday. Um, the, the times we have all on our website, on our, on our Facebook and Instagram. But yeah, we we find that there's a real... Um, really yearning for it and people really just want to find somewhere to have a day out and to take their children and to take yes. their families um, and more of an enjoyment as an experience Yes, and uh, um, and, and you know show them where, because you know, an awful lot of children yeah, don't understand yeah. yes, where it comes yeah. from and how it's grown and you you it's really enough, can yeah. make an occasion out of this and for summer holiday yeah. time if you're looking for something to do you know, yeah. th- they're always where we where we go next, Where what are we doing next Yeah, every here, morning Yes, <laughs> here, yes <laughs> here's an opportunity yeah, so at Carderi we, we, we have run um, on Wednesdays this month we have been running like children's friendly events so we've had other kind of small local businesses who've come in um, and done we workshops for children mm. uh, now they've all booked up for the for the whole month with the licensed pony party company who are based just up the road from us we've had Beyond the Bump yes um, who are doing messy play um, we've had the Brick Company in, in Dundalk as well coming out tomorrow Great. so we're, we're trying to make it basically um, a, a family friendly um location that you know attracts attracts people who just want a day out and want mm. want to have that good outdoor wholesome Yes. Experience. Yeah. Yeah. No. I. I. I love the the thought process behind it. And of course, you you, you ask people, and, and I'd say ninety nine point nine 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 percent of people come uh, honestly, and you know, don't do anything yeah. onto our end yeah. like that. It's important to say that. No, we have. Yeah. Um, we have absolutely brilliant customers, um, yeah. and we have so many people that that are returning even on a on a weekly basis. Um, one family in particular, I'm thinking of that come out every time we're open and come and pick a little bit of fruit and then we've got games out for the children as well come and have a wee play mm. and just mummy sits and enjoys her coffee um, but yeah our customers are absolutely fantastic and our, our feedback um, from them has been, has been brilliant too you know everyone mm. Did I, enjoys, enjoys the place Great Did I spot are pumpkins something you do too? Or? They are yeah. yeah we started um, last year to do the pumpkins as well we weren't sure how it would go but um yeah, we sold out our pumpkin event last year, uh, so we are doing the same again this year. Uh, our tickets will be available hopefully at the end of August for that. Mm-hmm. But 
Yeah, the pumpkins were a big a big hit last year. Mm, they're on the way, folks, just to let you know. They're in the ground and yeah, they're... Yeah, they're, they're in the ground and there's, there's tiny little baby ones there. For and, and when you come to pick your strawberries, you walk past the pumpkins. So it's lovely for people to see, especially children, to see them as yeah. they develop through through the summer, right through, mm. right through to the autumn. How do you like to eat your strawberries? I always like to ask the experts oh, themselves. They are. Just as they are. Yeah. They don't need anything with them. No, no, really, they are just it's so beautiful. from the punnet, yeah. yeah. Yeah, as fresh as you can, pick them from the punnet and That's enjoy it. them like yeah. that. You just can't beat them. But uh, they are synonymous. They really are with, with an Irish summer as well. And and I have to say, you got a great run, didn't you, with the weather for six weeks. I know they'd need water and that, but it was a, a lovely dry spell. Yeah, yeah, it was It was, it was too dry, really, for Yeah, for I know, crops, for the yeah. outdoor ones, yeah. And, and even we're, indoor, you're... We're never, you're, we're never happy. No, I'll listen. So that's that's the life of farming, isn't it? It's the life it, it really it is, is. Yeah, it and is. you have to take it as it comes. It's been one of those funny years, um, weather-wise, but uh, you just have to yeah. do what you can do and, and, and get on with it, really. That's it, that's it. It's, it is Ireland, and the weather is up and down, and that's the way it goes. So for people today listening to you, uh, we just spotted you and that you'd opened up and you were welcoming people down. Cargeri Fruit Farm, your uh, yeah, website, that's is that's the website, isn't All the details are there. Yeah, and we keep our Facebook and Instagram probably are better updated yeah. with 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 the weekly information and daily information as, as to what what we're doing. And we've big plans ahead of us for yeah, for how good. we'd like to develop the business. So there you go. So check them out on the social media platforms too. Good luck to your pass on our good wishes right. to your dad, David and Edward as well. They're the the boys and the crews there that keep the show They're on the, the road. Thanks for joining me today, Judith. Bye now. Bye bye. That's Judith Redmond there from Corgerry Farm uh, between Knockbridge, as you heard there, and RD, a beautiful, beautiful place. If you're looking for somewhere to go, a day out, pick fruit and enjoy a lovely, relaxing time there with your children, keep it in mind over the uh, coming weeks. You're at late lunch on LMFM Radio, and I think this song is appropriate, isn't it? Miss Britney Spears, yes. Every time you head to Cardary, you'll enjoy it, I promise you. Every time for Britney on your late lunch. Just last week on Late Lunch, we were talking about death and our mortality and how in Ireland we're fantastic at sending people on their way and celebrating a life and somebody passes on, but that we're not that great about talking about it in advance. And lo and behold, what pops into my inbox yesterday, only the latest instalment from our Sinead. Yes, Sinead Burke, we call it Burke's banter. And here she is talking about, very timely, the Death Café. It was the strangest tea party I had ever been at, but also one of the most enjoyable and thought-provoking. There we were, four complete strangers, enjoying the hotel scones with jam and cream, competing with each other to try and get a word in. Each of us, privately astonished, we had so much to say about death. It was an evening of big questions and looking for even bigger answers. The first obvious one being, how on earth did I get here? As a rule, I don't go out. Ever. I'm quite content to live my best life looking at award-winning crime dramas on the couch with Mr Burke. But something about the evening propelled me to swap an hour of visiting Happy Valley for an animated discussion about the Valley of Death. Death cafes have been slowly and quietly growing in popularity around the country 
for the last couple of years. The one I was at was jam-packed with people, most of them attending for the first time. Quite simply, it is a group of people sitting around tables discussing what they think about death. Is there a good place afterwards? Is there a less than good place? Or is there no place at all? Where do we think those who have passed away already are? How would we like to leave this world? if we had any choice in the time and the manner? What are the things we would like to get sorted? Or who are the people we would like to make peace with before we move on to wherever that may be? I mean, they are big topics, surely. Ones that affect us all. But strangely, ones we seldom discuss. All of us live beside death every day. A silent and stealthy shadow of mortality, only visible in a certain light. But it's always there. So to me, it makes sense to give it a bit more thought. We do funerals very well in this country. There is a strong case to be made for the Irish wake to be designated a UNESCO World Heritage Site. I mean, if Waterford managed to get the blah listed. All I'm saying is, someone should look into it. Because we know what we're at when someone passes away. The word goes out. The women of the family clean the windows and prepare the front room. The men strim every blade of grass outside the house. Neighbours bring apple tarts and toilet rolls and extra stools. The body is waked, and then to the church, and then to the hotel. At some point over the proceedings, someone will say, isn't it lovely he could come home one last time? Sure don't they wait a month to bury them over in England? There's a comfort in these rituals and customs. We are very good at death but maybe not so good at preparing for it. Maybe it's easier to talk about these things with strangers. That might be the secret success of the Death Café. It can be freeing to talk about how you'd like to arrange things in a will, without those who may or may not be benefiting sitting opposite you. I don't know, but I do know. I found the whole experience positive and empowering. To live a life with family and friends who love us and will miss us, is a huge privilege. To finish unfinished business and leave a plan on how you would like your last big event to go would be a very special inheritance. And then, like printing off your boarding pass before travelling, you can relax. As they say at the Death Cafe, life is for living. It certainly is. Brilliant as usual. So observational. On the money. Burke Spanter from our Sinead Burke. Thank you so much, Sinead. Always enjoy your observations on life and more besides. Well, the news, Louise, dominated by Tuberty and Kelly at the um, Aractus committees. I mm-hmm. just see it's all over the TVs here uh, as we speak. Can't uh, hear it, though, but we can see it. Yeah, we can see it. We can see it all right. And it's uh, dominating the news. I, I think I'll wait till 6-1 and try and get a mm. handle on the whole thing, how it went today and what people feel after their appearance there as well. But by God, would you ever have thought a new story? It's been top of... Three weeks. Yeah, isn't it? Mm. Isn't it? Isn't it? It's three weeks, isn't three it? Three weeks at this stage. 20 days, I think it'll be three weeks or whatever tomorrow since it saw the light of day. There you go. And on the other hand, the BBC story uh, about their presenter uh-huh. who's been suspended. My God, that's taken a queer twist altogether, hasn't it? Yep. There's it something really new this. every minute there, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, it seems the the young person involved there is totally denied mm. that it's a story at all. And uh, how that one's going to pan out is going to be very interesting indeed. I just see another thing just on the screens there. It's bonfire night, the 11th. 
They light the bonfires tonight in uh, Northern Ireland, I see there, to celebrate the 12th. God, this one there, the height of it, it's unbelievable. They're massive ones, aren't they? Massive, absolutely massive. That's not doing much for global warming. No. I can tell you that. Not Local doing warming. much at all. And all that comes out fr- from those as well. Anyway, we better not get that debate started. There's enough controversy uh, around issues like that without adding to the fire. Sorry for the pun. Um Butter in coffee, will you explain this to me? I see one of your musings here beside me. Butter in coffee, what Have are you talking about? Have you never tried it? No, no, what are you talking about? Is it carry gold in the butter or in the coffee? You mean... you I'm actually cutting off a slice of butter and putting it into your coffee instead of milk. Now, let me tell you. It's, it's richer. Oh, of course it is. <laughs> let me tell you this. Louise loves <laughs> her coffee. I, I am do. not a coffee drinker per se, now and again really, rather me cup of scald uh, the tea, but uh, butter will enrich anything you mm. put it into, That's it. but butter in coffee, you come on. Yeah, seemingly it's, uh, it's good for you. The caffeine mixes with the oils and the fats and butter to provide the drinker with slow release energy throughout the course of the day. I'll have a pound of butter for you tomorrow <laughs> and work away. Work Imagine away. if you had potatoes and a coffee and someone gave you a sliver of butter. Would you put it in the coffee or would you put it in the spuds first? Have you tried it? No. Okay. You no, I only came it. across it this morning actually. I okay. just thought, I Will you try it tomorrow? Go on then. Try, all right. All yeah. right. try it and tell us how you got on. Will you? In my opinion, you're right. You mentioned the spuds there. Do you know what I lifted yesterday evening? I have a, um, a few of them. Your new potatoes? Well, I'm eating new potatoes since you started eating them. <laughs> And your crop, you got one crop out. Anyway, we've had new spuds since what um, late May, of course, with the with the real early ones in the pots. But anyway, I had a couple of beds of Duke of York, and I finished the ordinary Duke of York. But I grew red Duke of York this year. All of it's different flavour. It's superb. It's the Duke of York with a red skin. The flavour is incredible. Incredible. Oh. The uh, Red Duke of York. If you're thinking, folks, next year, if you're a spud grower, you do it as a hobby like myself. Red Duke of York. I couldn't but highly recommend them. With Kerrygold and coffee. With Kerrygold. <laughs> we'll hold the coffee. Oh, you can hold the coffee, yeah. I won't have the coffee. You're all right. I'll leave that with you. Late Lunch, LMFM Radio, after three on the show. Top five countdown. And a barrister working for peanuts. Five, four, three, two... One. Counting down the top five songs from this week of yesteryear. And today it's... The number four from this very week in 1985, released in May of 85. It took until this week to climb to four on the UK charts and that's where it stayed. It went no higher. It reached number four and remained there for three weeks. Uh, On the Billboard Hot 100 in America, it went to number two in September later on that year and uh, that was its uh, highest position over there. Did very well in the States and in the UK. Yes, it's a well-known song and it didn't make top spot in the U- in the United States because of Money for Nothing by Dire Straits. A big, big hit too. Anyway, a number four from this week in 1985. It's Cool and the Gang and Cherry. Radio Romance on LMFM Radio. 
famous one from back then. Louise is putting her eyes up to heaven here as I say that. Tell them what you said. <laughs> no, don't tell them what you said. <laughs> you needn't put that microphone off there. You can leave it be. You're off the hook. You're off the hook. I wouldn't do that to you anyway. You know that. I wouldn't do that to you anyway. Anyway, that's the number four from this very week in 1985 on your late lunch in our top five countdown. Uh, final break this Tuesday afternoon. And afterwards, we're joined by Darren Lawler. He told me a great story, his own story some time ago on the show where he was a taxi driver and encouraged by his wife. He went back to study and he qualified as a barrister. But all's not rosy in the garden, as we're going to hear next. My next guest told me his inspirational story on late lunch a wee while back. He was a taxi driver and encouraged by his wife who went back to study and he qualified as a barrister. Simply wonderful. But it's a bit of a different story when you actually are practising as a barrister. Now, we know that certain barristers are paid telephone numbers more than radio presenters or television presenters. Gary Lineker's pay has just been revealed by the BBC. Anyway, he's back with me on the show to tell me about something that's happening on the 14th of July. It's called a celebration of failure. Darren Lawler, welcome back to the show. Hiya, Jerry. How are you getting on? I'm getting on really well. Like, I always remember you and your story and how it inspired me, and I'm sure so many listeners as well, qualified as a barrister. Um, the money end of things when you just qualify, it's not great, is it? No, it's it's brutal. <laughs> in, a simple, in simple words, it's brutal. The, uh, what listeners may not guess or may not understand or just may not know is that if you go into difficulty tomorrow, Jerry, or if I go into difficulty tomorrow and if I end up in the courts, that uh, there may have to be a bail application made and there may have to be an application for legal aid and obviously a barrister or a solicitor has to address the court for you. And consultations will happen before the court appearance, consultations with the guard, consultations with yourself or the accused, and consultations with your solicitor. And the fee for the barrister for that appearance is €25.20. Now, if on the next court date you were to plead guilty... And if you had to attend, let's say, medical professionals to get reports to kind of, you know, help the court maybe understand or, you know, see exactly what your background is that led you down this path. And the barrister for preparing that would get 50 euro and 40 cents. And if you plead not guilty, it goes to a full trial hearing in the district court with a judge and then the guards who are prosecuting and the barrister gets 67 euro for that. So, no, the money is crazy. Has this come as a shock to you? Um, well, it didn't come... Well, it has come as a shock to me when, when I went down to practice. But what more has come the shock is that it's allowed to continue. Mm. I, I just find it absolute madness because it, in reality today, working at the shops paying 2023 prices on 2002 wages. Now, when the austerity cuts and penalty cuts happened, obviously I wasn't at the bar at that time. So I'm suffering the effect of something that had happened uh, long ago. But the fees I quote to you were district court fees, and the district court fees, you understand, were always fairly low. But as society moves on, we have CCTV footage, we have mobile phone footage, we have you know, um, dash cam footage. And you often hear on the news that Gardaí are requesting footage to help them with a crime or solve a crime or investigate a crime. And the barrister at district court level and other levels have to look through that footage to see um, what did or didn't happen. And that takes time. Mm. So the amount of time that you put into it, the money paid doesn't reflect the expertise or the amount of time 
um, or the that kind of weight that you have on your shoulders because you have somebody's liberty in your hands when you walk into court. So mm. the fee is very bad. So was it a surprise? Well, it was. The bigger surprise is that it was allowed to continue for so long and still permitted to continue. And it must stop. I, I, I did say that there are barristers who earn really good money, fantastic money. And you hear about those that publish tribunal work, you know, different stuff like that. But the... Ordinary, if I can, with no disrespect to any barrister, run-of-the-mill barristers working like yourself on the circuit, in the courts, or that type of thing, um, you're not going to accumulate a lot of wealth. No, I just want a fair day's pay for yes. fair day's work. Yes. And the way it is is that, you know, people see the barrister wearing their gown and their tabs and they walk in mm. the court. They think there's this mystical, you know, cash flow going behind them. The reality is my gown and my tabs, it's just like a mechanic wearing his overalls here or his or her overalls or a nurse wearing what they wear, you know. They're, they're just they're what we wear going into court. And we give a good quality service like everybody else. But, but the reward for that service, the remuneration for that service is very, very low. And, it, and it's pitiful. And people are just saying, I'm not going to practice criminal law. And people who are practicing in the district court are saying, I'm not going to practice any longer. It was actually reported today in Irish Legal News and Mary Carolyn in the Irish Times that Professor Patricia Casey, um, that she has uh, pulled away from doing legal aid uh, work when matters are referred to her. Uh, she has said that I've made a strategic decision to discontinue legal aid work due to the derisory remuneration from the state for this valuable and necessary work. And that's the key. If you're a doctor and a nurse or a consultant, you do valuable and necessary work. If you work in Tesco or Dunn's, you do valuable and necessary work. And when you're in the courts, you do valuable and necessary work. Most public services, I understand, have their pay restored from the penalty cuts and other cuts. We haven't. So is our work less valuable? and less necessary than other people. So I'm not looking for a Rolls Royce. I just want a fair day's pay for a fair day's work. And also, I'm 50, Jerry. I went back to school very late in life. I left school at 14. I went back to school at 35, 36. And the reality is, this is also to not only protect wrongly accused persons and victims of crime, but it's the students coming after us. Yeah. If we want to make you know, the medical profession or the legal profession is diverse and is open to everybody to attract them in. We're not going to attract them in with insulting pays that are going as low as 25 euro, 20 cents. You'll get a pizza for 24.99 and you can pick four toppings. You'll get a barrister in the district court and you'll get everything thrown in to make sure that that case is done properly. So it's based on goodwill and it's obviously based on expertise but in relation to the money, the reward is very bad and something has to be done. So these rates, if these rates are adjusted upwards, that'll be a help. You work for yourselves, do you? Or do barristers, are barristers engaged through practices or how does it work? Just explain that to us. Yeah, quite simply, if, um, it, it, like, as the example I gave, if you and I went into, get into difficulty tomorrow and if we're in the Garda station, the solicitor will come to the Garda station yeah. uh, on, on most, most occasions, not all occasions. And that solicitor may, you know, brief me, may brief a barrister to do that case. It's not because we're better than the solicitor. Maybe we're doing it more often than they do. Than they do. So we could be in the district court and maybe they'll say, will you look after this matter? So we are self-employed, but we must be instructed by a solicitor to appear in a particular court at a particular time mm. for a particular client. So it, it is self-employed work, but it's the state who pay yes. the legal aid. But they pay it to the solicitor. And the worst part is, when the solicitor gets paid, 
um, they give us half the fee on most occasions. So they have to give us half of what they earn, mm. which is worse. Mm. So the fee comes from them, but the, the money under the criminal legal aid system uh, comes from the state. Okay, so those rates are the rates that need certainly to be looked at. Look, I see the way it it operates now, and uh, you're right. Like someone like yourself, who is somebody who's gone back, educated, gone into this profession, loves it, and has a passion for it. My God Almighty, those rates certainly are pitiful. So, with this in mind, a celebration of failure to an escalation of action. Uh, you're withdrawing your services from all courthouses on the 14th of July between 10 and 3 p.m. That's the plan. So I'll be outside the Criminal Court of Justice on the 14th from 10 a.m. until 3 p.m. And we're asking colleagues to, to do the same. Some colleagues are just a complete withdrawal of service. They're doing no legal work that day. Other colleagues are just not going to bother going into the courts. And some colleagues will be on the steps of the courts. So quite clearly, I'm putting this invitation out to the Minister for Justice. She's saying it's Pascal Donahue's department who was not unwinding these cuts. So we're asking the Minister for Justice to come out on the steps with us to support us in the celebration of failure too. And also we're asking the Bar, Bar Council, you know, to come out and support us fully in the celebration of failure too. And asking all colleagues as well. Um, I can understand, you know, when you talk about those rates as well. And, um, you know, they, they are pitiful. They really are. They're small. And as you say, who would it or what would it entice to go down that road uh, in the future? You know, there are other jobs that pay far more than that. And um, the responsibility you mentioned that you have there towards clients and, and what you do. Anyway, it is another step on the road. I'm sure you're hoping there'll be resolution to this sooner than later. Anyway, you're enjoying what you do. Just to finish on a positive note, you're loving the work still. No regrets. Jerry, I love what I do. I had a student in this morning who's starting off in her legal career. She was down with me talking about the King's Inns. I love students to come in. I don't want to make the mistake I did, which was leave school at 14. You know, I was lucky. Mm. I found someone who pointed me in the right direction. But on a positive note, I love what I do, but financially we're we're hanging in there and hopefully we can hang in there a little bit longer. Please, Scott. You're a top man. Wish you well with all this and your colleagues. Thank you for talking to us again, Darren. Take care, Jerry. Thank you. Take care yourself. Bye-bye. That's Darren Lawler there, a barrister and the withdrawing services, as you heard, on the 14th. Well, we're withdrawing our services now until tomorrow at 1.30, of course. We'll be back. We will indeed. Eddie Caffrey's coming next with The Drive here on LMFM Radio. Stay with us uh, all evening through and uh, we'll be back, as I said, tomorrow, Wednesday midweek with your late lunch. The Late Lunch, brought to you by Blackstone Motors, Drogheda, Dundalk and Cavan. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working... The HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.